Brandon Brands. Hey everyone, this is Mark Schaefer, author of Marketing Rebellion, The Most Human Company Wins. And if you want to learn about what's next in branding, listen to this podcast, Brands on Brands on Brands. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change. How do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey everyone, it's Brandon Berkmeyer here. Really excited to get into the first show with you. Our guest is internationally acclaimed keynote speaker, Mark Schaefer. Mark is a strategy consultant for marketing. He's an author. I've read seven of his books, including his most recent one called Marketing Rebellion. He's a college educator, and this guy has been a leader in the space for years and someone that I've respected and looked up to for a really long time. So excited to bring it to you today. We chop it up about what it means to be a more human brand, to make connections with customers one-to-one, and really what I think it takes to be a brand to this next generation of customers. And really just want to jump into it. Hope you guys like it. Thanks. Brandon Brand. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really excited to have you. And we have Mark Schaefer with us for everyone that's listening. And I do want to jump right into it because I know time is time is short and... For us, I met you at Social Media Marketing World in person, in real life, as they say, where you were keynoting or one of the, the three keynote speakers. I know I've followed you throughout my career. You're a, you know, a best-selling author of multiple marketing books that I've read coming up and a business consultant, podcast host, a teacher, uh, and just a recognized leader in our industry. So I appreciate the work that you're doing first off. Wanted to say that. Thank you. Thank you. It was great meeting you at Social Media Marketing World. That's that's the best part of my job is um, getting to meet people in in real life. That's what I enjoy the most. Well, and it makes a lot of sense, especially, I mean, your latest book is called Marketing Rebellion, The Most Human Company Wins. So I would expect that that would carry over in your real life, that you're you know implementing some of the practices that you, you're talking about and teaching about. But you have done so much leading up to this. And I, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you find inspiration, number one, and then how, you know, and how this idea of marketing a marketing rebellion came to be. You know, I was thinking today, I was, uh, I was out cutting my grass <laughs> and I was thinking about how all of my books sort of fit together. They provide this narrative that has sort of explored my thinking in terms of how marketing is changing. And I've been very fortunate in, in that it's sort of reflected how the world is changing as well. So my first real book, was called Return on Influence that came out in 2012. This was the first book on influence marketing. And back then, nobody was talking about that. It wasn't even a thing. But I recognized this idea that power was shifting from agencies and newspapers and book publishers to people. That was a very new idea back then. In fact, it was rejected by a lot of people. It was a very controversial idea. This idea that individual people could be counted on as influencers was a a radical idea that caused a lot of fury, really, when I was writing about it. 
So you think about, okay, well, we have this opportunity to create our own power through influence. Well, how do you do that? So I wrote a book about creating content, about social media and about blogging. Well then, oh, all of a sudden we have too much content because everybody's doing it now. So how do we stand out in this crazy world? How do we get our content to move through an audience? That was the content code. Oh, that works for businesses. Can it work for an individual? Can, can an individual become known that same way? So that I wrote known. The problem that I, that I solved with this new book, Marketing Rebellion, is that with this power shift, the whole world of marketing has now moved over to our customers. It sort of has completed the cycle that I started talking about in 2012. That, you know, look at this, the power is shifting. Now here we are in today in 2019, and it's complete. It's not just shifting, it has shifted. And in those seven years, I guess it's been since that first book came out, marketers really have adapted to this idea. We've built our organizations to do something and they're doing it, but nobody's looking up to say, wait a minute, you know, is everything still the same? Are things still working the way we thought they were? And that's what this book is about. The problem is that we've been chunking things, things out. We've had our heads down trying to do best practices and content and social media without really reflecting on reality. And, and so that's what the, the, the book is about. It's sort of a reality check to see what's happened now that the customers are really in control of the sales funnel, of the customer journey, of the marketing process. It was not an easy book to write because it's, it's such a profound and provocative idea that uh, you know, I, I was fearful that there could be a backlash on the book. But I think most people have adopted it like you have sort of embraced it and say, yeah, I've seen this coming and it makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I have the advantage of, of like I stepped away from ad agency life. I mean, I was at, doing that for 17 years, but I stepped away from it a year ago and it really has opened my eyes to looking at things differently, you know, taking a more consumer view on things. But what I, what I would say is, you know, looking back at you know, what you've been kind of coming up in and when you first got into marketing to where it is now. You know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you've seen those things change. I think you talk a lot about how it's changed for consumers. And that's, I think you've kind of covered that in your books a lot. But it's also interesting to see how the marketing professionals and how marketing as a profession has changed and how, you know, maybe we're behind. Or hasn't changed. That's, that's my biggest concern, really. And, and Brandon, one of my favorite quotes in the book is from Chris Savage, the CEO of Wistia. And he says, our culture is our marketing. And that's really a big problem today is that the culture hasn't kept up with the pulse of the world. Our company cultures have not kept up with the pulse of popular culture and our consumers. And that has really been a central issue. It's a leadership issue. There's no such thing as a grassroots organizational change. That has to come from the top. So my bigger concern isn't how much marketing organizations have changed. My biggest concern is that they haven't changed. And there's organizational resistance that we have built in. So for example, you talked about your life with agencies. 
there's this dance that agencies do. There's this reliance between the agency and the corporate marketing department that is sort of a tradition. You know, you go out for the steak dinner in New York and you get wined and dined and you pat each other on the back and you celebrate how sexy and creative these, ad, these TV ads are. And we need to stop and think that that, that sort of routine, that sort of relationship is part of what's holding the dysfunction in place. I was blown away by an, an ad agency that really gets it is, is a company that I featured in the book, Giant Spoon. They're doing this experiential sort of marketing. A few months ago, they were named the Breakout Agency of the Year by Adweek Magazine. Breakout Ad Agency of the Year. Their mantra is, we're an advertising agency that aspires to never make an ad. I really think that's poignant. I think the ad agents, the ad world itself is saying we're broken. We need to look at young people like the leaders of Giant Spoon to show us a new way. So, I mean, the world is not changing fast enough. It feels a lot like, I mean, there's many industries that have already been uprooted based on this type of marketing, this type of rebellion, you know, the industries like the cab industry being uprooted by Uber or the, the toy industry being uprooted by Amazon, anything that where a new technology comes in or people start to say, let me focus on the customer first, like an Airbnb, they start to win. Because if, if the current companies aren't changing, someone else comes and designs something new and it feels like that could happen to ad agencies. You know, who's going to come in and say, I'm going to find a new way that speaks to customers one by one? And, and kind of uproot that industry. I, I think that's happening. I think, you know, what gives me a lot of inspiration is the, the young people coming up in the business, the digital natives. They look around at traditional advertising and marketing and they say, this is dumb. Why would you do that? Who does this? If you look at some of the, the best case studies in the book, they're millennials. They're digital natives. They're people who are building their companies from social media on up. And, and that's really where the power is coming. That's where, the, that's where the fuel of change is occurring. It's with this new energy that's coming in from people who didn't grow up on you know, network advertising and magazine advertising. They're not interested in holding on to the old ways and holding on to old contracts. And, and that's where the change is going to happen. And it's going to happen fast. So look out. Yeah, I, th I think there's definitely a, a, like a generational thing. It's like if you were raised with TV versus if you were raised with social, like you just have a different expectation. If you were raised with brands, like I grew up with knowing what brands were. So I didn't even have to make choices about what toothpaste I picked. Like I just know what I had growing up. I have that experience. But this generation is exploring everything. And that, I think, changes the mentality. So this idea of customer experience and you know, leading kind of to this hu human element and this one-to-one -one element of marketing has, has, a, has been a bit of a theme for you and your content. Where does this passion come from to, to explore that? And I guess where did, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit how you got into marketing too, but it seems like you found this thing that you just are intensely curious about consistently. Well, you know, I've, I've reflected on that a, a little bit. It, it's, it's a good question. I think... Part of my perspective comes from, I really have blue collar roots. My heritage is plumbing. My, my grandfather, I, I, didn't, I didn't know my father's father. He worked in a factory in Pittsburgh 
really, I think, died at a premature age because of the chemicals he was exposed to. And my grandfather was a, was a plumber. And that's where I really learned marketing because he never took out an ad in his whole life. It was all based on his reputation. I used to have a section in my university class talking about if you want to understand social media, you need to understand my grandfather. Because my grandfather knew the only thing he had was his reputation. And if he protected, if he did everything he could to protect his reputation and serve his customers well, then people would tell stories about him that would lead to more business. When a customer couldn't pay my grandfather, he would do work for a chicken, for sticks of wood. He, he, he was a social person. Whenever he would finish a job, he'd sit down with the, with the homeowner and have a beer with them. He was always building those relationships. He showed up in the community. He was active in his, in his community. And that's where we are today. I think some of the themes of advertising and marketing today are really elitist. And they, they abuse people. I mean, they, technology, we're using technology to abuse people and disrespect people. I think being in tune with, with people and their emotions, these constant human truths, these constant human needs that I have in the book, I think I have an advantage because that's the world that I came from. You know, I didn't grow up in a penthouse in New York looking down at everybody. I grew up in a two-bedroom house with one bathroom and eight people in it. <laughs> So I have I have a different I have a different view of the world that I think it's a humble view of the world that that I think serves me well in where we are today. Yeah, I think that's got, that's got to be important, and especially with a marketing mindset. I personally, I had like you know, my mother is my example who works at a dental office, something glamorous, but knows the name of all you know hundred people that come in every day, knows their name, knows their kids, knows their birth dates, and is that person that you still get a, a card from in the mail for every holiday that doesn't exist. And I think that, that, that those values of, of every person and every person's story matters is something businesses could definitely learn from. I think it also, having a, just sort of a grounded, centered perspective, and I've been around in business for a long time, so I can kind of see how the dots connect. You know, it, it, it's like, I can, I can see through the, the hype. I mean, you know, there's, there's been all this hype there's hype cycles, you know, it could be social media, it could be content, it could be influence marketing. But I, I'm grounded enough in how the real world works that I can sort of see through, see through that, you know, I mean, content marketing, there's so much hype about it. But I mean, sometimes you just want a hamburger. You don't need branded content. You don't need to take a political stand to sell a hamburger. And there's all this hype, you know, you know, pushing people into branded content and taking political stands. And you know, it's important in some cases, but, you know, it's just, it's just overhyped. Yeah. And I think one of the things I know you've talked about in some of your articles and that I've kind of followed too, is that there's this idea of storytelling, which has been the, I think one of the larger pushes in our industry for a long time. The, you know, how do you tell better stories? How do you change people's minds? How do you send them down the, a better funnel that converts them better? And that's you know where a lot of you know marketing and marketers' minds are these days is this idea of of 
finding a better way to change someone's mind. And I know you've talked about that with, with like Seth, a piece on like Seth Godin's latest book, This Is Marketing. Yeah, that raised a ruckus. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't know if he's had a chance to respond in, or if he's talked to him then. He did, he left a comment on the blog. Uh, maybe you can give the people who haven't heard about that a little bit of a, a history on that, like that perspective. Well, uh, first of all, I mean, uh, I, I love Seth Godin. I, I, I've never met him face to face. I've seen him speak before, but I've never met him. But there's no one in our industry and maybe no one in history that thinks as deeply and writes as beautifully about marketing as Seth Godin. So I'm a fan. He, I reference him in almost all of my books somewhere. But there was something that just gnawed at me in his latest book. There's sort of a split personality in the book where he talks about this emphasis that marketing is about changing people and changing your emotional state and changing your patterns of behavior. And just thought, I don't want someone changing my emotional state. I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of that. And then he kind of goes, then I sort of agreed with him. Then he goes into this whole thing again about marketing is about changing people and changing their emotions. And so, the, so the, about the third or fourth time he, he repeated this in the book, I, it, it just made me super uncomfortable. And it, it's inconsistent with where I think the trajectory of our field is going. Now, there's still room to advertise and do PR and try to change people. But I think we have to step back and respect people that in, in today's world, every person we know, every consumer, almost every consumer anyway, has the accumulated knowledge of the human race in the palm of their hand. And we don't have to change them. They, they're, they're very capable of making up their own mind. And I think if you look at where the best marketing is occurring today, it's brands that are saying, we believe in you and we want you to believe in us. We stand with you in this area. We're going to help you along in this area. Instead of changing customers, they're coming alongside customers. That is where marketing is going. The result might be the same. We still need to sell more stuff eventually or our companies will die. But I think the trajectory, the mindset, and the tactics are going to be significantly different. It's already happening. So there, there's still room for Seth's view in the world, but I think, you know, his book is called This Is Marketing. I think that's probably true. The, the view I present in Marketing Rebellion is this is what marketing will be. And we have no choice. We just have no choice but to respect the people where they are, respect people where they stand and, and, and help them. Right, and I, I definitely like the idea that, you know, if you are telling a story, it has to have some kind of emotional component to connect and to resonate and to, to move somebody. But maybe those stories start to come from the customer instead of something that's designed by a brand, you know, for a, a purpose that people can start to see through at this point. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the transition, the transformation is that, you know, you started off talking about, you know, there's so much hype out there about you know, the arc of our story and starting with our why. People don't care. They really don't care. They care about getting by today. They care about the arc of their story. They care about their why. And I think the best storytelling will make the customer the hero. They'll, they'll make the customer, you know, put the customer first. 
you know, it used to be that, you know, our brand, our story was what we were telling people. And now our brand and our story is what people are telling each other. That requires a different mindset. Our customers are the marketers. They're making our product work or not work. So the new mindset is if, if the customer's in control, how do we help them do the job? That's marketing today. How do we help customers become the marketers? That is what a marketing department should be focused on today. Now, when, you know, thinking that there's obviously a lot of major marketers out there that could, that could use that advice, but, you know, for the entrepreneurs out there that actually have a chance to move their business quickly and, you know, that might be marketing for the first time or, you know, want to be changing it. What, you know, are there some core lessons that they could take from this book or from this philosophy that they could start implementing right now? I think small businesses and entrepreneurs have a huge advantage right now. It gets back to what we talked about at the beginning, Brandon, this idea of culture. And that's why these big brands are, are dying. These legacy brands that I grew up with are dying and the advertising agencies are dying and laying people off because you know these legacy brands don't don't use them anymore and, and we don't see ads like we used to. And I think instinctively what a lot of young people know today is that there's power in the personal brand. And that the corporate brand today is really the personal brand today. So think about I believe that one of the reasons why Tesla has a higher market value than Ford Motor Company that's been around more than 100 years is because of Elon Musk. There's a vision there. There's a personality there. We can believe in him. Who do we love at Ford? Who do we love? You know, who do we love at Chevy? I don't know. So increasingly, the personal brand is the brand. I was reading a story yesterday about how the founder of Everlane, that's a company I featured in my book, it's an online retailer. He's become obsessed with eliminating plastic from his company in every form, in every way. He's so obsessed, he went through an airport and ended up, he's, he's, like, he's like a real health nut. He ended up eating McDonald's hamburgers because they were wrapped in paper and everything else was wrapped in plastic. This creates an emotional connection between me and this leader. It's an amazing story to think about what he's trying to do to change his supply chain and be transparent about it, to report on his progress about eliminating plastic, to have a, a smaller environmental footprint. That's inspirational to me. I mean, I, I'm buying stuff from Everly. Their clothes aren't that great. They're very basic, right? I'm not their core target market. But I believe in this guy. I believe in their story. And I want to support him. That's marketing. It's a lot easier for an entrepreneur to create that sort of personal brand, to create that emotional connection than Delta Airlines or, you know, uh, uh, some, you know big, some big retailer or an automotive company. So I think that's a key idea. I think getting out and really knowing your customers and bringing people together creating events where, where you, they can see you, they can hear you, they can see your face, they can see your smile. That's the difference between listening to a record and liking a song and going to a live concert with your friends and hearing a, a band and experience a, a, a concert. You have this emotional bond 
with that event, with that band that will never go away. So there, there are lots of things. I think a, lots of opportunities a small business can, can implement a better, faster, more effectively than, than big companies. You touched on the idea of a personal brand, which is a you know kind of a hot topic right now. And I want to get into that in a second, but I do want to say and start by you know, being a little vulnerable in that, you know, preparing for this interview wasn't, you know, the easiest for me because obviously it, you're someone that I've looked up to for a long time. And just that I had the opportunity to talk to you today was, was you know, a, a blessing for me and that you stopped and said, hi, I think it says a lot about your character and I appreciate you for that. But what I want to say is the, you know, I reached out to a couple people to say, you know, if you had Mark Schaefer for an hour, you know, like, what would you ask them? And a couple of people that were also speakers at, at Social Media Marketing World. One great guy uh, was, you know, just as nice as you were. Uh, his name's Chris Strub. He had a talk there. And he said, you know, he wanted to ask you about, in your previous book, you talked a little bit about alpha buyers. And as you, you know, have evolved and written this next book, you know, I was wondering what that role is of alpha buyers for this consumer that's kind of taking ownership of the brand. Well, it, it 100% goes together. I mean, the two books go really well together. So in known, I, what, so I, I called this uh, the, this alpha audience. So what is that? The, the, the power in digital marketing today comes from the transmission of content. There's no economic value in content or social media if people don't see it and share it. So Sure, we need a story, we need content, we need to build an audience on social media, but that's all for naught. It's a waste of money if, like most companies, nobody is seeing what we do. So the people who actually share your content, they're advocates for you. These are amazing people. And as I go around the world, I ask companies, do you know who does that for you? Do you know who's sharing your content? You should know them by name. Nobody knows who they are. So that's the alpha audience. Now, let's move that forward to the new book, Marketing Rebellion, and this new world that we're in. I talk about the decline of loyalty. Research shows across 80 different industries, on average, only 13% of our customers are loyal. 87% shop around. And McKinsey found that in 90% of those industries they looked at, there's no loyalty at all, okay? So job number one is if you're lucky enough to have an alpha audience, to have people who really love you, who are sharing your content, you've got to treat them like kings and queens. You've got to find them, reward them. And that might mean getting your head out of a social media dashboard and, and looking at mentions and likes. You need to look at the individuals what are people saying out there? And look, even big companies, we're not talking about millions of people here. It's dozens or hundreds that are at the most that are really moving your content. So don't be lazy marketers. Get out there and see, find out who is your alpha audience, job number one, and pick up a phone, the phone and call them and thank them. Now, what's funny about that is in, in, in asking around for these questions, I think there was a good example of what it takes to be this, you know, to have this kind of human element or mentality, even or mindset, uh, which you have and Chris Strub has, and, and just that you guys are so generous with your time. Uh, another, I won't name names, but another keynote or not keynote, sorry, it wasn't a keynote, but another speaker 
who also has been around the industry for a long time, who I respect and a very nice guy. When I asked him, you know, what would you ask Mark? He said, oh, I did a whole show with them already. So I covered that ground. And now, you know, just short, done, out, without even say hi or, you know, tell them, you know, a joke or something. And for me, just as a fan and someone who is, you know, just reaching out, it's that kind of uh, what, you know, the, the interaction, the communication that I got from a Chris and from you is, you know, the kind of thing that's going to take our relationship further, me as a customer, as a fan, as a consumer, that, you know, it doesn't diminish them as people individually, but as a business, it's definitely a mentality. So A, again, appreciate your time, but B, you've been, you know, you've switched into thought leadership and, and personal brand development and you have you had to use your own brand, to, you know, to put your content out there and, and your yourself. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how personal branding, like how you've approached it and what it's meant to you uh, in your new kind of role. Well, before you do that, I, I want to go back to that little story that you told because there's a powerful lesson there. Before social media marketing world, you and I were just sort of connected on uh, social media. You mentioned that you had followed me for a long time, but honestly, you weren't really even on my radar screen, right? I mean, because, and it's nothing against you or nothing against me. It's just that social media and social media audience are weak relational links. They're not actionable links, okay? So when you, you came up and wanted to introduce yourself, that was a great opportunity for me just to connect with you in a new way and sort of like take it up a level, right? That's why it always surprises me when people say, oh, Mark, you're so friendly and you're so accessible. Well, why wouldn't I? I mean, that's what people do, right? So it was great to meet you. Now, what happened next? You created a video. We did like a little collaboration, right? You sent me a video. We're creating value together. You sent me a video. It happened to be a story I've never really told before. It was a pretty cool story. I thought, you know, I'll put that on my blog. That kind of helps you. It kind of helps me. And now here we are, you know, collaborating. So you can see this progression of moving from weak relational links. And when you go that extra step to just say hi to somebody or create a face-to-face connection, you never know where it will lead. I mean, you and I are connected now, right? If you send me an email, I'm going to open it always. I'll look at it. I'll see what you need. I'll try to help you, right? That's the way the world works. So I didn't want to lose that as a teaching opportunity. It was, a, it was a cool little story, but it's also a really powerful story. And uh, it kind of goes into the question about personal branding as well, is that I know a lot of people hate that term. You know, it's not my favorite term either. I don't, I can't, haven't been able to think of a new, of a better a reputation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it is it's, it's, it's reputation. But, you know, we all have a reputation or we all have a personal brand, whether we, whether we like it or not. So the idea is why not be mindful about it and, and be systematic about it and nurture it in a way that gives us the best chance to get our job done, whatever that might be, whether it's raising money for a charity or raising money for a startup or making new connections, opening up new doors, running for office, whatever your, your goal might be. There's no downside really to enhancing your personal brand because if you're known you always have an advantage over the people who aren't known because it's that idea we talked about a little earlier. There's emotion there. You know, there's recognition. There's something that they think about you, something they remember about you. 
that just gives you that little advantage over somebody else. And that'll never go away. And, you know, if I had to ask if, you know, the people that you have touched, interact with that have consumed your products, what would you want those consumers, those customers, those people that have, you know, embedded themselves in your community? What would you want them to say about you if they were giving feedback? Well, I'm in a really great place in my life. You know, I've had a wonderful career. You know, as I look into the last third of my life, it's a weird feeling. You know, I've thought about this a lot in terms of what happens next and what will be my legacy, which is another way of saying, what what do people say about you? And where I get down to is that I've built a platform where people believe in me, they trust me, and they listen to me. That's a a great opportunity to create some good in the world. I do try to set a good example in terms of of being a, a, a compassionate leader and try to lift people up. I'm at a point in my life, I've had such a great career, I can send the elevator back down and, you know, bring younger people back up with me. And every week, somebody says about, you know, my books or a blog post, Mark, you've changed my life. You know, you've changed my business or you've changed my life. That is pretty amazing. I mean, that's the best performance review you can get, you know? (laughs) You know, back in my corporate days, I was, I was lucky to get one performance review a year. And, you know, here I am getting a performance review every day with people saying, you know, you mean so much to me. You've changed my life. One woman said, uh, I'm sending each of my children off to college with five books to read for their, for their life. And one of them is known. Just like, oh, wow. I mean, what a gift. I mean, what a message. So, you know, I just, I just have to find ways to be relevant and connect with people that will continue to help and, and guide them. I love that. And that's, I think we, we would all be lucky if, if we had even just one person say that about us. Oh, right. You're exactly right. I'm in such a blessed position in my life. It's crazy. Now, I do have kind of a fun question that's a little remedial, but I'm curious where you're going to take it. <laughs> so forgive me for that. But to get really basic, do you believe that branding or selling is more important long-term for a business and why? Oh, definitely branding. I think branding in this age is more important than ever. You know, if before you before people buy, they have to they have to be aware. And I think they don't want to be sold. I think they're tired of being sold to. They're tired of being advertised to. That's one of the lessons I think we need to take from my book is that is that customers they want to be left alone. They want to they want you to be there when they need you, but they don't want to be pestered. They don't want lead nurturing, you know, in their lives. They don't want spam and robocalls. So in this world of the shop around customer, the most important thing is to stay in that consideration set. And that doesn't necessarily come from selling. It comes from what does that brand mean to me? Why is this relevant? Why are my friends talking about it? Why do I seem to see this everywhere? So I, th- I think long-term, really, the branding is the selling. Now, I mean, with the, you know, with mentioned spam and all that, with mass communication and communication in general, is there a better way to connect in a more human way if, you know, entrepreneurs or, or business leaders are trying to look for that, that way to connect 
kind of in a more human way? I think it's, it's really easy. It, it just starts with realizing that you're a customer too. You're a customer. You, everyone buys thousands of different products over the course of a year. And we know what we like and we know what we don't like. We know when we feel we're being annoyed and when we're being abused and when people are jeopardizing our personal information. So the first thing to do is look at what you're doing in your company. And if you're doing things that people hate, stop it. It was funny, Brandon. I used that line in my speech at Social Media Marketing World and people cheered. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect that. But I think that hits people very deeply that it just makes so much sense to stop doing what people hate. That's the first step toward human-centered marketing. The second step is, is, again, putting yourself sort of in the shoes of the customers. Figure out what your customers really love. What are those constant human needs, those constant human truths that people are crying out for? How can you help them have uh, a, a better life, a, a more a safer life, a healthier life, a more profitable life, a more entertaining life. You know, what are where do you fit in their in that customer ecosystem? How do your values align with their values, and how do you communicate that? So I think those are things that we would do with our friends. That's how we would connect to our friends. We wouldn't we wouldn't show up uninvited, right? We wouldn't interrupt them. We wouldn't intercept them. We would be friends. We would talk. We would help. We would build relationships. That's what that's what people want. And that's what will be rewarded in the future. Yeah, I mean, I love that because I have friends that are also business owners. And if I get an email from them that's from the business, it's very obvious. It's, you know, spammy and, the, you know, very bland communication. And I know not to open it, you know, whereas it's, if it's... Doesn't it drive you nuts when you get an email from a friend that spam? <laughs> well, and because... A form letter from a friend. That's but it's funny is when they write you a regular email, you right away know the difference. You know, just from the header and the in the copy, you know, this is from a friend that's talking to me like a human. And if we that's a good example. Just be normal, right? Be normal. Just talk like you would to your friends. And I think there's value in that for sure. And and you do, I'm sure you do mention a, a few brands today and also in the book that are doing it right. Do you want to call another one out? Maybe tell a story about one of them that is doing it doing marketing the right way in some aspect? Well, there's, there's really so many. And, and again, I, I sort of see a pattern that it's oftentimes some of the, the new people on the scene who are just creating their businesses in sort of a, an instinctive way, but it's the right way. And my favorite company right now is, is Glossier because it really sort of encompasses every single thing of human-centered marketing. Glossier is a company that was started by a, a, a blogger named Emily Weiss. So Emily had a personal brand. That was the company, her personal brand. She was the brand before any logo, before any slogan, before any store. And she created this, this company realizing that the feedback on her blog, the, the cosmetic industry, the skincare industry, was dominated by these old school companies who talked down to people and they had these, you know, glamorous, almost like science fiction, like ads of 
you know, people coming out of swimming pools perfectly, their hair is beautiful and their skin is glowing and it's just impossible. And they're talking down to the world. They're talking down to the people. And she said, I wanted to create a company that was your friend, that, that just talked to you like a friend. What's more human than that? That is her stated goal for the company. She has done zero advertising, no advertising. 100% of her business occurs through word of mouth, through customers just loving her and telling stories throughout the web and in their personal lives about how they love her and how they love this company. She says, my product is the content. When she ships products, it comes in this pink bubble wrap that's a perfect background for an Instagram picture. She adds all these stickers and stuff. So it's the products are almost interactive and photo ready. So she's involved with her customers. She talks to her customers. She makes the customers the hero of her story. When you go on the Glossier website, the models and the pictures are her customers. They're the Glossier girls. Actually, there's a few Glossier boys now too. That's my favorite company. I just, I 100% love what Emily is doing. It, it just, she has built her company on the marketing rebellion and that there are lessons there from Glossier that every company should be, should be staring at and studying because that's how you win today. Now, as we kind of, we have a few more minutes before the end of this, uh, and, and again, really appreciate your time. I do want to ask you, you know, you personally in your life, whether they're doing marketing right or not, are there some brands that you're obsessed with in, you know, in your day around your household or maybe throughout your history? Like, you know, I love me some peanut butter or some Taco Bell. Doesn't mean that they're great companies, but. Oh, geez, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I am like the most even sort of like even keeled person. I mean, I'm, I'm just like a centered person. I'm not like wowed about anything and I don't really like shopping. I found uh, Bonobo's online clothes shopping. It, it, I, I kind of like because they have such variety in their uh, sizes. And I actually tried these jeans online and they were like the best fitting jeans ever. One time I got some and the color was wrong and they said, just put them back and, you know, one time I bought some shoes and like the shoelaces broke and they said, oh, don't worry. You know, two days later, I had, you know, a, a package of shoelaces on my door. Not a marketing rebellion story so, so, so much, but just in my personal life. Yeah. It, like I, I really hate shopping. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's what I wanted to know though. It's, it's, I mean, I really do. I, I, I it just, it, it gives me anxiety really to right. shop. Thank goodness for online shopping or I would be sitting here either naked or in tatters. And that might be, <laughs> that, that could be an interesting branding thing, you know, the naked marketer, because he, he just will not shop. <laughs> but beyond that, so this, will, this, this may be better or worse. What brands do you trust? There are almost no brands that I trust. And, that, and, 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 and I think that's, that's very instructive because to me, when I say I, 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 I trust a brand, that means... I'm, I'm thinking this is a company that will, that will never let me down. And even companies that are taking strong stands like Nike, their supply chain is screwed up. You know, they really, it's a screwed up company in a lot of ways. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of walking the talk, but do I totally trust them? No. I think there's a lot of, I don't know if you're familiar with this term greenwashing. There's a lot of greenwashing going on in the world today, which which means, 
you know, oh, you know, we're, 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 we're doing all this great stuff for the environment. And it's just putting a veneer over all the bad stuff that, that, that the company, that the companies are, are, are doing. You know, I'd have to think about it for a while. I'm sure there are some companies out there. I mean, a lot of the companies in my book, the, way, the reason I put them in my book is because I, I, I do believe in them and I do believe, do believe they're, they're, they're doing, you know, great things. I think that they are working to build trust. And I think we are moving toward an era where marketing means not just making promises, but keeping promises. I mean, to me, one of the, one of the things I put in the book, Brandon, I, I said, you can see when, when people really believe in a company, when they put a sticker on a laptop, it's like a digital tattoo, right? I don't have any stickers on my laptop yet. Maybe someday. Yeah. Well, what's funny is I think it goes down to how, how you define trust and how much you want, you know, how deep you have to go with the brands that you're working with. It's like, I might trust you know, a airplane to get me from A to B, or I might trust that every time I get this can of peanut butter, it's going to taste the same, but I may not trust how they made it or what they're doing with my data. So it depends on what you're hoping to get from that company. So it's, I mean, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Everlane, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a company. I think there's lots and lots of companies I admire, lots of companies that I admire, but you know, I don't necessarily have their sticker on my laptop yet. But Everlane is a great example, and Glossier is a great example, and Yeti, you know, Yeti coolers. I have a case study about them in the book. I love the market, some of the marketing that JetBlue is doing to sort of stand out in that airline industry. So, I mean, there's lots and lots of companies that that I admire, but I'm not where I'm not. I don't have their stickers yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they'll send you some now. Yeah. The uh, so in terms of where people can find you, I do want to hear what your next big audacious goal is. But before that, I know you have businessesgrow.com is is the website where, where your business is. They can find your book, The Marketing Rebellion. I'm sure on Amazon, which is where I found it, and, and a lot of other places. But where are you socially, or you know, where can people interact with you? Well, uh, businesses grow is a great place to start because my. My drug of choice has always been my blog, and I, I think it probably always will be. Uh, I, I I love to to write. It's a, it's a great intellectual challenge to just again my what's always in my head is I will never let you down. If you read my blog or listen to my podcast, it will always be interesting. It will always be worth your time. You may not agree with me, but it will. I, I will never let you down. So I take I take that promise seriously on my blog and my podcast and my books and anything I create. You can find all of that at businessesgrow.com. Awesome. And as we're wrapping up, your your next big audacious goal for the year? Well, you know, I'm I'm still recovering from the last one, <laughs> uh, which was the book. And of course, when you write a book, then the work really begins in, in terms of sort of promoting it and, and getting it out there, getting that content to move. I am starting to think about what's next. It goes back to what we talked a little bit about earlier that I'm, I'm sort of like looking into the last third of my life, which is kind of stunning to be in that sort of situation. And, and, I, and I want to direct my life in a way where things are starting up, not winding down. So, I, I, you know, I, I've got, it's more than an audacious goal. It's sort of like, you know, what's my trajectory going to be? 
you know, what, what, what's, what's all this sort of, sort of leading to? I think the one thing is that I do feel good about helping people and, 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 you know, I know a lot of people that's just seems so trite, but that does give me the reward to me. That's better than money. When people say I've impacted them some way, I've helped, helped them some way, you know, in my, at, at this time in my life, that that's the most important thing. And it, and, and so I'll, I'll find a way, I think, to do that in a way that's amplified. I don't really know what that looks like now, but, and I think it'll, it'll also mean in some form, bringing people together. I haven't brought people together myself since 2013 or maybe 14. I used to have my own conference and it was very, very successful. And I, I think that there is power in that. So I think I will be doing something to bring people together. Well, if, if you build it, I'll be the first one to raise my hand to, to travel Aww. to be there. Thank you, Brandon. And uh, I do appreciate your time today. We're, we're uh, at the end of it here. And Marketing Rebellion is the book. Uh, Businesses Grow is the website. And uh, you also have the Marketing Companion podcast if they want to hear you speak or they can go to your website to read the blog. So I just really appreciate your time today. Much respect to you. And thank you for being here. Thank you, Brandon. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.